الحمد لله الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين ما بعد فعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات أولئك هم خير البرية صدق الله العلي العظيم قال الله سبحانه وتعالى في شأن حبيبه مخبرا مؤامرا بعد أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على سيدنا مولانا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا مولانا محمد وبارك وسلم وصل عليه My dear respected, most honorable elders, beloved brothers, honorable guests Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. First of all, we begin by thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, by glorifying and praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for enabling us with this unique opportunity to congregate in His house, to worship Him, to glorify Him, to send salutations upon His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallama. And we pray that Allah azza wa jal will continue to facilitate such opportunities for us in the future. Last week we spoke about the weather and how it impacted our lives and how unappreciative we were of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's divine favor upon us. This week we're going to do something different. As you know, khutbahs are always topical. Something takes place, I hear about it, we discuss it, we talk about it. And this is reminiscent of the time of the Prophet وسلم, and the khutbahs of the Prophet وسلم, they were always topical. He would always see something or view something or experience something and then the Prophet وسلم, would then discuss it with his companions and offer them the Islamic perspective. I recently <coughs> saw a video and in this video there was a brother who was being berated by leaders of the mosque committee in this particular masjid who attacked him, who pushed him away. Unfortunately, this brother was pushed out of the masjid. A month or two later, this individual, and this is only uh, two, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, two weeks ago, he was found uh, dead in High Wycombe. He, he was left homeless. He went out at night. He fell into a river. And a man who he had psychological problems, and unfortunately, he passed away. We pray Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant him the highest of darajat and jannah. He was a beautiful soul. He was a man who I would often meet in the masjid and he would say to me, Imam Saab, you know, I've done a lot of things in my time, a lot of bad things in my time, but, uh, you know, I, I want to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I want to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he was always there. And the masjid became his safe haven. Uh, and he, despite the fact that he was going through all of these problems, he continually turned back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's what Tawbah is. Tawbah, the word Tawbah literally means to return, to turn back. Huh? 
is turning back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in repentance and begging Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for forgiveness. And this is something that he achieved. This is something that he wanted to do. And what shocked me was when, this, when I saw this video of the masjid in the area within which he lived pushing him away, telling him he can't come to the masjid, he can't do this, he can't do that, he was a troublemaker and so forth, this and that. And I thought to myself, you know, spare an individual's dignity. Dignity is a massive part of a human being, you know. Insan was created dignified. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created man to be the pinnacle of his creation. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created man and granted honor to man. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states in the Quran. And we have granted nobility to the children of Adam. So Adam alayhi salam was given super and that's why he was given superiority over the angels. And what were the angels told to do? To prostrate before him. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had dignified and honored Adam. And that was the honor of, of man. And we have no right to take that away from somebody else. Dignity is a massive part of human beings. And as Muslims, it is our duty to honor the dignity of other people. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi was great in doing that. I'm going to tell you one story which I've told you before. This is a story about a companion. This companion, he was an unusual uh, companion. He was a unique companion. His name was unusual. His name was unique. His name was Julaybib radiallahu ta'ala. And this companion Julaybib, the word itself, the name itself was a mockery of his appearance. Julaybib means literally small grown in the Arabic language. And it is the diminutive form of Jilbab, and a, a, a small gown. And this is something that people referred to him as and the name that was ascribed to him. He was often described as Damam, as ugly, reprehensible in appearance, deformed of repulsive appearance. Even more disturbing for the society in which he lived, Julaybib lived in a society in which a lot of emphasis was placed on nasab. A lot of emphasis was placed on lineage, who your father was, who his father was. And they took great pride in their lineage. I'm from this tribe. My father was so-and-so, whose father was so-and-so. And that granted, that was their honor for them. That was their dignity. In such a time, this man, Julaybib, who was referred to as the small gown, the small jilbab, his nasab was unknown. His father was unknown. There is no, actually no record in the hadith of who his father and his mother were or to which tribe he belonged. And this was considered a serious disability in that society. Added to the fact that he wasn't too attractive in appearance, people were pushed away from him due to the way he looked physically, also emotionally he was scarred due to the fact 
that his parents were unknown. So he had nobody there. You know, even if he had a family to support him, it would have made life so much easier. But he didn't. He, hadn't, he didn't have that sense of support from family or from friends. Juleibib was physically disfigured. He had a hunched back. His face was described as, as I mentioned already, ugly or repulsive. When he wasn't a Muslim, he used to take, and the books, Hadith mentioned this, that he used to take refuge with women because women were naturally softer and more kind-hearted. <coughs> and women would, would take pity on him, would have sympathy for him, whereas men would mock him. He slept under trees, he roamed from one discomfort to another, he was poor, he was physically weak. Along with having an obscure lineage, he possessed no status, no wealth, no family, no roof over his head, often sleeping uh, anywhere he would find comfort, eating and drinking from wherever he would find food. But there was one thing about Juleibib. He always remembered his Lord. He was constantly reading the verses of the Quran. When he accepted Islam, he, expe he accepted Islam wholeheartedly. He was never absent from the first row of the prayer. But yet, he was treated with, with, with hostility and he was mocked at every opportunity. And because of the cruelty that men would direct towards him, he was forced to sit with the women until the verses of hijab, the verses of segregation, were revealed. And companions didn't even like this. The men didn't appreciate the fact that he would sit with the women. One day, this companion, and I've given you a backdrop of, of who he was and from where he came. One day, he came to the Prophet ﷺ, and he said to the Messenger of Allah ﷺ, he said, Ya Rasulullah, Will I be able to enter? Look at, look at the question. Will I, will I be able to enter Jannah if my, though my face is disfigured? Will I be able to enter Jannah? You can understand what, you know, how a man has to be beaten down so much to ask such a question. And the Prophet ﷺ replied, Of course! Of course you will be, be able to enter Jannah. And he said, Ya Rasulullah, if, if that's the case, and I'm fit enough to enter Jannah, then why is it, why is it that none of the, 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 the men, none of the individuals will grant their daughter's hand in marriage to me? Why is it no one would marry me? If I'm eligible in Jannah, why am I not eligible here in the dunya? And the Prophet wasallam then took it upon himself to find Juleibib a bride. And with Juleibib in mind, the Prophet wasallam <coughs> he went to this house, uh, the house of one of the Ansar of Medina. And, and it wasn't no ordinary Ansar. This particular Ansari, his daughter was known to be the most eligible uh, bachelorette in the city of Medina. 
She was described as extremely beautiful and pious. And many individuals had come to her father with proposals of marriage for that woman. And often the case was they were turned down. The Prophet ﷺ first and foremost went to that house, knocked on the door, spoke to the father, and he inquired with regards to this man's daughter. Now, this companion, he thought that the Prophet ﷺ is asking for my daughter's hand in marriage for himself. And naturally, he was excited. So he said, of course, Ya Rasulullah, how wonderful and how blessed this would be. And there was obvious joy and happiness on his face. And the Prophet ﷺ said, not for me. And he said, for whom? Perhaps it's for Abu Bakr, perhaps it's for Umar, Uthman, Ali, these leaders of the Quraysh, leaders of men. And the Prophet wasallam said, no, not to any of them. For Julaybid. And all of that joy and happiness quickly vanished from his face. He thought to himself, Julaybid. I mean, Julaybid. And... Naturally, he couldn't say no to the Prophet ﷺ, but his answer was in fact quite negative. He said, Ya Rasulullah, I'll talk to my wife, and we'll have a discussion, and then inshallah we will let you know. So this man, he went and, and he waited for his wife, and he, went to, he, he, he spoke to his wife, and he said, the Prophet ﷺ came asking for... Uh, our daughter's hand in marriage, and she got excited. She said, of course, how blessed, how blessed this union would be, you know, with the Prophet alayhi salatu He said, no, 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 not for the Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam, for Julaybib. And she said, Julaybib? Julaybib? And then she took an oath upon the existence of Allah, and it, it's an oath, oath which was incorrect for her to state. And she said, no, there is absolutely no chance I will ever allow this to happen. No way for Julaybib. I mean, it's Julaybib. Look at our daughter and look at Julaybib. And this daughter, this woman, she was not only beautiful in appearance, she was beautiful in character also. And she was uh, a noble, pious woman. She was hearing this commotion take place. And she approached her parents and she says, what's the matter? And the, the, her parents told her, her parents informed her that the Prophet ﷺ had come and had asked for her hand in marriage, not for himself but for Julaybib. Now, she, at not one point in time, not a single moment did she hesitate. And she turned to, to her parents and she says, and are you going to refuse the proposal or turn down the proposal of the Messenger of Allah Is that what you're going to do? And she said, There's, if the Prophet has chosen this union for me, there's absolute, absolutely no doubt that this is the best union possible for me. Because the Prophet has chosen it. And she recited the verse of the Quran that 
you know, وَمَا كَانَ لِمُؤْمِنٍ وَلَا مُؤْمِنَةٍ إِذَا قَضَى اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُهُ أَمْرًا أَنْ يَكُنْ لَهُمْ خِيَرَةٌ مِنْ أَمْرِهِمْ That if the Prophet ﷺ has decided something, then there's no choice for you except to follow it, except for you to act upon it. And she read that verse to, to her parents. And she, she said, look, I'm satisfied. I submit myself to whatever Allah's Messenger وسلم, deems good for me. And the Prophet وسلم, heard of this woman's reaction. And the Prophet وسلم, prayed for her. And eventually she and Julaibib got married. Had, uh, it, it was the marriage, the union was only for a short period of time. And it was blessed while they were married. There was much barakah in that union. But unfortunately for her, a short while later on one of the battles, uh, the Prophet وسلم, on one of the expeditions, the Prophet وسلم, uh, was greatly saddened by the loss of Julaibib. Julaibib was martyred in this battle. And even during the martyrdom or after the martyrdom, the Prophet وسلم, look, look, look at the, the dignity, the honor that the Prophet وسلم, would give to every individual. After the battle, the Prophet وسلم, approached each individual and was saying on the battlefield to the people that who have you lost? Who do you miss? I mean, who, who, don't, who has passed away from among you? And people would say, I've lost so-and-so. I've lost so-and-so. And I've lost this individual. I've lost that individual. As in that individual has passed away. And the Prophet وسلم, was saying, roaming the battlefield saying, I have lost Julaibib. I have lost Julaibib. I can't find Julaibib. And eventually when Julaibib was found, uh, <clears throat> there were many of the, the, the mushrikeen around him and Julaibib uh, had been martyred. The Prophet ﷺ began to shed a tear. The Prophet ﷺ was upset uh, at his passing. And he, the Prophet ﷺ, seeing the Prophet ﷺ crying, the companions were naturally quite taken aback. And they asked the Prophet ﷺ why he was crying. And the Prophet ﷺ said, Julaibib is from me and I am from Julaibib. Julaibib is from me and I am from Julaibib. This, is the, this, this man wasn't connected in terms of family with the Prophet ﷺ. He wasn't related in terms of nasab with the Prophet ﷺ. He was related to the Prophet ﷺ and connected to the Prophet ﷺ by faith. By faith. And the Prophet ﷺ uplifted his spirits. So much so that he became a leader of men. When previously he couldn't even sit in the company of men out of fear of being mocked by them. The Prophet ﷺ uplifted his spirits. The Prophet ﷺ lifted him up and granted him honor. This is the, the example set forth by the Prophet ﷺ. And this is something that we seem to have forgotten today. Dignity is a massive part of what the Prophet ﷺ brought. When the Prophet ﷺ established his state in Medina, the Prophet ﷺ granted honor to the people of Medina, told them to be proud of their heritage, proud of who they are, granted them dignity, granted them honor. And this is something that we seem to have forgotten today. We take away people's dignity without a second, sec single thought for what they feel, for how they will react, what impact it will have upon their psyche. We sometimes say things to people not understanding 
the ramification of what, ramifications of what we've said. We don't understand it. We don't know how it will affect them. We don't care. We don't care about their dignity or their honor. We don't care about debasing them. We don't care about dishonoring them, humiliating people. And this was never the stance of the Prophet We live in a day and age where emphasis, much emphasis is placed upon how one looks. People have to look nice. So much emphasis. We live in a culture now when, you know, selfie, selfie is the nafsi, nafsi of what the Prophet would state that on the day of judgment when people would say, me, me, me. People care so much about how they look, they will try to do anything to look good. Because they feel that well, the emptiness in their soul would be filled, that gap inside would be filled if only they looked a little bit better. But that gap can only be filled with Islam. That gap can only be filled with Iman in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That contentment can only come from the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when you worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that way, then you're going to be granted honor. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will tell you that he's honored you, he's honored man. And you will be proud of who you are and in the skin that you're in, the body that you're in. You know, should I, should I tell you how empires... We talk about the greatest empires, right? The Ottoman Empire. We talk about the, the, the great dynasties in, in India, right? The Mughal emperors of India. You can look at the great Muslim dynasties of the past in all over the Arab world, all over the Asian subcontinent. And eventually those dynasties and those empires fell. They all fell, one after the other. Shall I tell you how they fell? Look at your history. Look at your history. And look first, a lot of us here are from the Indian subcontinent, being from India, Pakistan, Bangladesh. Now the Indian subcontinent was ruled by Mughal emperors who were Muslims ruling over a predominantly non-Muslim population. There were more non-Muslims than they were Muslims. And they lived happily and content in their society. And they were thriving, those communities were thriving. The architecture of that time, the, the beauty, even now, when you look at uh, you know, some of the jewels, you know, the, the crown jewel that is in the, 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 uh, the queen's, uh, her, what do you call it? What do you, uh, for, her crown. In her crown, that's taken from, from the Indian subcontinent. Many of the riches of the Indian subcontinent were stolen and bought here. Now, let me tell you how you got a billion people in India now. There were millions and millions then. How were they taken over by a small island thousands of miles away? Here, the British Isles. How did the British conquer India. It was through trade. There was a small company, the East India Company, that took with them a couple of thousand soldiers. 
and those couple of thousands, thousand soldiers took away the dignity of millions of people who lived in India at the time. Millions of them. Stripped away at their dignity, knowing that we strip away their dignity and they'll never rise up. They'll never rise up. They will be subjugated. And that's exactly what happened. And those couple of thousands, thousand ruled over them for decades. For decades. And took away, and that's what unfortunately we live in, we love the country that we live in, but our history is marred by, uh, by taking over, by colonization. Unfortunately, in England and France colonized the most countries in the world. And colonization naturally brought death and destruction for those countries, for the people in those countries, and took away their liberties, took away their dignity. If you look at the Arab world, the Sykes-Picot Agreement, what was the Sykes-Picot Agreement? When the Arab world was taken over, it was to split the Arab world up. Even now when you look on a map, you see borders that have been drawn up, which are straight lines. How can a border be a straight line on a map? The world is round. Because literally when the Arab world was split up, a group of people sat together, put a map on the table and literally drew, drew lines and split the Arab world and created the countries that we have today. Stripping away a people's dignity. Take away a people's dignity and it makes it easier for them to be subjugated. And the Prophet ﷺ granted people honor and granted them dignity. I can give you so many examples how the Prophet ﷺ stood up for people. I would just let you know, the, the likes of Sayyidina Anas ibn Malik and who spent 10 years in the company of the Prophet ﷺ, he himself states that uh, he said, he said, Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam fahishan wala la'anan wala sababan kana yakulu inda al-ma'ataba ma lahu tariba jameenu awkuma qal the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he did not swear to anyone he did not abuse anyone he was never he, he never used foul language he never cursed if he desired to reprimand someone he would just say to them ma lahu tariba jameenu that what's wrong with him may dust be cast in his face that's all he would say he would never strip away at someone's dignity. The Prophet ﷺ was gentle. He told us that gentle, gentleness beautifies you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves gentleness in all things. Even when he corrected people, the Prophet ﷺ understood their feelings and their emotions and always took them into account. And this is something that we need to learn from. There was a companion, I'll give you an example very quickly. The Prophet ﷺ was leading the prayer. And during the prayer, a man joined and he came into the masjid. This is, this is something that still happens today. This is something that still happens today. And he walked in. And the Prophet ﷺ and the companions were in ruku. And as you're in ruku, when someone walks in and you, when, when someone comes into the masjid and they notice that the Imam is in ruku, naturally the first instinct is to run towards the saf. Run towards the saf to try and catch that ruku. If you catch that ruku, then you've caught the rakat. Right? So he was, he came very quickly and he realized as he was getting closer to the saf that he wasn't going to reach the saf in time so what he decided to do is he said his takbir and he folded his hands in prayer and he went straight into the ruku and then in ruku he walked towards the saf while he was still in ruku and the companions who had seen this after the prayer was complete they asked them they told the prophet sallallahu they said this companion this is what he did 
And the Prophet وسلم, instead of, uh, of, of taking away his dignity and correcting him in front of people and humiliating him, the Prophet وسلم, you know what he did? The Prophet وسلم, said something beautiful. He said he started his, his reprimand or his correction with a dua for him. He said, Zadakallahu hirsan wala ta'ud. He said, May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala increase your enthusiasm. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala increase your enthusiasm. Just don't do that again. That's it. Simple. When he wanted to encourage Abdullah ibn Umar to, to, to pray at night, and he wanted him to stay up at night praying, he didn't say, Oh Abdullah, why do you not pray at night? What's wrong with you? He said to Abdullah in front of other people, he said, Ni'marajlu Abdullah. He said, what a man, what a man Abdullah is. If only he would pray at night. He would mix encouragement with, with praise. And this is how he uplifted the, the people around him. He would spare their dignity. He would never ever humiliate. This is the example of the man that we follow. This is that perfect being that we follow. And yet, look at us. And compare us to the Prophet There's no comparison, of course. But we can learn from him. We can learn from his beautiful example of how he, he, his character was beautified. And how he beautified the character of others around him. Uplifting their spirits. Granting them nobility. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give me and you the tawfiq and the ability to act upon the teachings of the Qur'an and the blessed sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa